Hey guys, it's Keith. Today I'm looking at this online quiz called isidewith.com and I'm looking at some social issues. I want to pick out a few of these that I think kind of go together. And they're on the topic of religion and church and state and state buildings and what the state stands for. I want to start with the easiest question uh, for me, which sounds like this. Should the government support a separation of church and state by removing references to God on money, federal buildings, and national monuments? And my answer is yes, because I guess I have two reasons. My first reason is a technical one, which is to honor the Constitution that does indeed separate church and state. It's pretty clear in the, the founding of the U.S. that religion is to not play any part in civil society. It's a private matter. Worshipping can be done within your own local communities, but that the federal government has no official stance on religion. And there's a lot of controversy about this, like, were the founding fathers Christians, yada, yada. And it's complicated, you know. Uh, most people back then were, but there were prominent atheists. Generally, the founding fathers are described as deists, which are people that believe in a creator god who then leaves and ignores the happenings on earth. And, you know, there's other examples of, like, this kind of contorted religious view like um, I think it's Thomas Jefferson who cut out all the teachings of Jesus from the Bible and excluded the Old Testament and excluded um, even revelations and all these other things and just focused on what Jesus stood for as a prophet and you know I can respect that people make that work for them uh, Jesus was a cool character you know, he was like this cool hippie guy who was super pacifist and nice and and all this, generally speaking. He didn't condone slavery or rape, but <laughs> otherwise he was like a really, you know, benevolent figure. And I think that benevolence is visible in the Constitution um, that all men, all people are entitled to the pursuit of happiness, generally speaking, and that, you know, to each his own, you know, uh, the golden rule, do unto others as, you, as you'd have them do unto you. This kind of spirit is what founds a lot of our laws and a lot of our cultural norms, which is great. And the question is then, what does religion have to do with that? And that's like a deeper point about how Perhaps we're all ingrained with this Judeo-Christian background. And it could be true. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a hard point to to deny. Um you know, I listen a lot to like guys like Sam Harris. I just listened to him debating Ben Shapiro on this point. And Ben Shapiro, who is this famous uh Jewish conservative, he's arguing that Sam Harris is indeed Jewish, which Sam culturally is, and, you know, 
ethnically is, but he's not religious. He's a famous atheist. And Shapiro's point is that Harris must be Jewish because his sense of morals come from Judaism and they match his own, you know, like there must be some clear moral path. And Shapiro attributes that to a Judeo-Christian heritage. And Sam Harris uh, refutes that essentially by saying, no, you can arrive at morals that are good for humankind and the earth generally, collectively, through a sort of reason and rationality. And I really subscribe to that, but perhaps I'm showing my hands too much. Let me refocus on this question. The government nowadays has God featured quite prominently on its money, on which it says, in God we trust. And on certain courthouses around the land, especially in the South, you'll see religious passages, you'll see the Ten Commandments, which is completely ridiculous. And these are all done to sort of codify this, you know, this moral superiority onto the legal system and to the state. And I really, really disagree with this fundamentally. I've described my first reason. My second reason is that I quite detest this appeal to a higher power. I quite detest this general uh, religious zealotry. And I think that this is my innate kickback against conservatism, which stands a lot for these kind of moral appeals to authority. And I'm not into that at all. You know, like, I don't respect this really, I don't know, I'm thinking of it just as like this old school, you know, iron fisted, um, you know, from on high, you know, almost slave master aspects. Maybe that's too much. But I guess I'm just thinking of like, you know, your God is not who runs this country. You know, like if I walk into a courthouse for a trial, God is not a part of this. And any appeal to a God is frightening, frankly. And I'm really wishing that this didn't get all entwined into American history. It happened actually in the 20th century. Uh, I'm not looking this up as I, as I speak, but I'm going to recollect from my memory. So... As a way to to harness nationalism and get everybody onto the same page and to promote this kind of jingoist attitude for America, God was brought into it, you know, to fight perhaps godless communists, to fight, you know, people of other religions around the world. And it was kind of this battle cry. And that sits really poorly with me as well. I'm just really kind of disgusted by that. But then there are other technical reasons um, why religion shouldn't be in government. But let's actually look at these answers here. Besides a strong yes and a strong no, there is an elaboration, which sounds like this. Yes, remove them, but do not waste money removing existing references. 
okay, that's kind of like a libertarian view of like, or like a fiscally conservative view of like, let's not spend any money to hire a team and to go refurbish this courthouse or statue. Let the money in circulation circulate. Don't take it all back, that kind of thing. Fair enough. In a way, it's a pragmatic answer. Yes, it creates a bias against religions that do not believe in God. It does do that. I don't think that's the reason to remove it, but it obviously shows favorites, favoritism toward Christianity. I don't think that's the worst thing, given that um, Christianity is the majority. I don't think that a tiny minority 1% religion uh, needs to feel a chip on its shoulder because it's not getting represented by the U.S. I just think it's a cleaner, simpler, safer, more efficient thing to just not evoke religion whatsoever. No, as long as it does not reference a specific religion. Right, so like in God we trust, maybe that's not specific, so maybe it's cool because it's vague. But you know, there are only three major Abrahamic religions that are monotheist. Many, many religions are polytheist, Hinduism being the prime example. No, religion is an important aspect of our country's history. So this is this like more, you know, traditional conservative attitude that I'm kind of kicking back against. It's not wrong in the sense that religion is an important aspect of our country's history, but I think we should downplay it, you know? I mean, Hollywood is an important aspect of our country's history too. You don't see Hollywood signs on money. Though, you know, you could. Um, just because something is important through history doesn't mean that it needs to be enshrined in our laws and our, you know, our government buildings, our legal systems. So I'm just using this as a kicking off point. This is why I'm thinking, you know, what do our buildings stand for? What do our, uh, you know, our state-owned places what do these represent uh and i want to use that as a pivot point to this other question in this social issues section which says should states be allowed to display the confederate flag on government property and it's kind of similar right because it's like what does the government stand for it stands for the usa what's the confederacy stand for um, they were the people going to war against the USA to leave. It's quite, I mean, it's a rebellious act to say the least. I find this, my answer is no again, and I find this totally inappropriate. I, I mean, I can't even quite fathom the justification of people that think you can fly the Confederate flag over an American building. And it's not because I hate the Confederate flag, even though I don't really respect it, and I disagree with some of its messages, primarily racism, which is what people just assume it means, and maybe fair enough. But really, I see the Confederate flag as representing a nation of Dixieland, the Deep South, the Confederates who tried to leave the USA in the... Uh, during the Civil War, the 1800s. And in a way, I, I can recognize them as a group 
And it, like, I wouldn't have actually been as put off as Abraham Lincoln was if they tried to secede. In a way, it's like, go on then. Maybe you are your own people. Do your thing. I kind of still feel that way. I feel like the USA is way too big. It's unmanageable. It's unwieldy. And it's made up of many nations within the empire, which is what America is. Hawaii is not part of this American nation. Hawaii is a Polynesian island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that the USA just took over. And not violently, not necessarily uh, against its will. And Hawaii is a cool place, and Hawaiians are Americans uh, for sure now. But what do they really have in common with, like, a New England Bostonian, you know? And all that said, I don't think that Hawaiians should be flying a Polynesian flag over a U.S. building either. But only because... A U.S. building, like a courthouse, represents the U.S. government and the U.S. Constitution and the U.S. legal system. And these other kind of identities, they could be bad, they could be good, but it's irrelevant. They're just not America. They're not part of the state. State flags on state buildings, that makes sense. State flags on federal buildings make some sense, given that, you know, it's a hierarchical system in which the federal government supersedes the state, but that they're all kind of, you know, the government. But these other identities, you know, I'm not even trying to go there in terms of judging the Confederacy. I'm, go- I'm just saying very clearly and simply that the Confederate flag is not an American institution. It's something else. And if we're going to talk about the Confederacy as a legitimate thing, maybe we can talk about breaking up America into multiple parts and that California can be its own country and that Cascadia can have its own identity. But otherwise, it's purely an act of rebellion. Uh, In these elaborated answers, one of them actually says, yes, it should be allowed because it symbolizes rebellion, not racism. Right, so if I was to speak with a person in the South, I could agree with their meaning that it symbolizes rebellion and not racism, but that does not excuse it. You're not allowed to fly a rebellious flag <laughs> over a U.S. building, you know? You just can't, like... I mean, there's ways to rebel, but flying a flag over the building is not the way to do it. That's an act of more like treason or something. Yes, but only at historical monuments where it was originally flown. Well, historical monuments might be another issue. I guess this this question is more um, general than I put it. Government property, it says, which is pretty vast. You know, the government owns a lot of land as well. Um, and maybe I'll tweak my answer to to allow some things like that. You know, I mean, if the government owns a... A certain historical site, maybe it's quite relevant that a Confederate flag uh, is hanging there. So maybe the devil is in the details here, but I think I've made my meaning clear. Um, some of these no answers are no and ban any public display of the flag. I think that's way too harsh. I don't think that censorship is the answer here. No, it's a symbol of racism, separatism, and treason. So I agree, I agree with that. Um, I agree with 
even the 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 feeling with which that is uttered but i don't actually agree with the that as a as the reason but it is seemingly true no it should be put in a museum in it no it should be put in a museum where it was originally flown um that's a that's a weird unclear answer well i'll move on from this question i think i've made made my point this third question i want to answer now is a larger pivot away from government buildings but still somehow relevant to this topic of belief and religion um which is this should a business be able to deny service to a customer if the request conflicts with the owner's religious beliefs so now we're out of the realm of state buildings and into the realm of businesses and that's a distinction for sure but i can't help but think about this case from a few years back when gay marriage was legalized and this christian woman refused to recognize it and to marry two gay men i can't remember what her role was exactly she was you know a bureaucrat who like had to sign papers and she refused to on her moral grounds and she went to jail because it's illegal to do that but then mike huckabee one of our worst politicians he like celebrated her as a hero and brought her up and was like you know we have to stand for her for this and you know we're the religious rights and we're you know the moral crusade and she's a hero and i just thought it was absurd and it was absurd especially because she works for the government and the government has now legalized marriage for everyone and she was making a stand and that is somehow this act of rebellion and it's I'm not going to say treasonous, but it's just totally uncalled for. Now, if this was a private institution, if this was a bakery, for instance, like another story we can think about, and two gay men want to solicit this business, can that business deny service to the customers if it, if it conflicts with the religious beliefs of the owner? And here is where things actually get difficult for me because I really do believe in liberty and expressing your beliefs. And I want to live in a world where everybody can express themselves as they see fit. And I want the government to uh, infringe on our liberties as little as possible. So it's a tricky thing. My inclination is to say no they should not be allowed to deny service to gay people because you know i'm thinking of that case where this conservative bakery didn't want to make a wedding cake for these gay guys and you know i've heard a lot of mixed things about that story it's hard to know what really happened but i heard that these guys were actually looking for some sort of fight and just going from bakery to bakery seeing if they would get denied service and really provoking the whole thing and i think that's ridiculous but my sympathy is toward people that are denied service you know it brings back a lot of memories for americans like during the civil rights era prior to i should say like in the jim crow era when black americans had less rights and they had different water fountains and they had different 
you know, places on the bus to stand and all these things. And it's like, we know now how uncool that was, how awful it was. And I think we're always vigilant to prevent something like that again. And yet, if you put the shoe on the other foot, right? If you are Twitter and you have a bunch of neo-Nazis using your platform, shouldn't you be allowed to ban them? Now, I don't actually know about that one because Twitter is basically a public institution at this point. It's the it's the public commons. So banning someone from there is a lot bigger of a deal than a bakery deciding not to make a cake. There's a lot of bakeries and there's plenty of gay bakeries. But there's no Nazi Twitter. There's no other f- platform uh, outside of Silicon Valley businesses that offer our modern forms of communication. And yet, the same people that I hear, liberal friends, talking about how no gay couples should be denied service are the same people that tell me that Twitter should be allowed to kick off anyone it wants because it's a private company and free speech isn't protected there. Now that is hypocritical. That is a total contradiction. So I'm just thinking like, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? I mean, if you're going to make a rule that business can do what it wants, okay, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a, that's a fair rule if you're going to stand by it, but then it should apply to all businesses doing whatever they want. And the question is, what is this functioning of business? You know, in a, in a mixed market economy like ours, which is largely free market, there's a lot of room for competition. And, uh, you know, if Chick-fil-A is catering toward the religious crowd by, you know, saying whatever ridiculous stuff it says about whatever, I don't, I don't know what it's saying, but I know that conservatives love to go there and that liberals decide not to go there, right? And then, I don't know, Whole Foods somehow has become like maybe a liberal thing. So as a grocery store, it's popular for that group. And like businesses are now playing a lot with this kind of thing, right? Of like, what what stances do we take and what points do we get and what market share do we receive because of that? And, you know, that's business in a way, right? I mean, there are plenty of businesses that just say no shirt, no shoes, no service, right? So they're maintaining a certain decorum, But if you have that sign up in a beach town, you're not going to be very successful, right? And that's like the cost of doing business with your morals. So this is like a very, very gray area. And I kind of don't like this question because of that. I mean, businesses need to be given leeway with how they conduct themselves. You know, they're not people, contrary to what Mitt Romney has told us. But they are run by people, and their bylaws and codes are written by people. And, you know, if I started a business, I would want my morals embedded in it somehow. Uh, Of course, businesses are first and foremost there to make money and provide services and make goods. But there is this other component, isn't there? And so I want to recognize that within businesses. And at the same time, overt discrimination and bigotry is unacceptable so you know if a bakery let's just say even like a a chain restaurant like let's say subway suddenly 
stopped serving a certain minority group, this would just be unacceptable, right? But I just wonder what law they would be breaking. And perhaps that's what this question is bringing up. Should a business be able to deny service to a customer if the request conflicts with the owner's religious beliefs? As The more I talk about it, the more I actually want to say yes. Like, businesses can do what they want, and they should lose business in doing so. You know, if this gay bakery, sorry, if this homophobic bakery says we're not going to give a cake to a gay couple they're going to lose a lot of business because of how bad that press will be. Of course, they'll gain the business of the conservatives. And I don't know if that's such a problem, to be honest. Now, of course, if you take it more extreme and say, like, if McDonald's stopped serving, you know, Hispanic people, well, that would be really really insane, wouldn't it? At some point, a business reaches a certain status where it's just not acceptable to for it to forbid participation somehow. It's a really tricky thing that we're talking about here. I mean, where do you, where do liberties end and responsibilities begin, right? And we do have these laws that protect discrimination. We have anti-discrimination laws. But they're more in regard to hiring policies and firing policies, and they're in regard to the state specifically. And it's just hard to say what the right policy is here. We know what the right thing is. We feel it, right? I mean, we we see situations that seem discriminatory and those seem wrong. But then we also see moments where we side with the business because it's maybe kicking out someone that's drunk and disorderly or it's, you know, creating a policy that uh, attracts a very specific kind of clientele, you know? So there's a lot of movement here, a lot of leeway. Let's read some of these other stances. Yes, it should be allowed to deny service, but only for small businesses. Okay, so that's a nice distinction that I was, you know, tiptoeing around with McDonald's versus, like, a a bakery. Yes, and business should be able to deny service for any reason. Right, I guess this is, like, the libertarian perspective, and I do respect it, and I might even agree, but it's hard to to say, right, because we can come up with so many bad examples. Yes, but the owner must post a sign stating their beliefs and what they refuse. Right. I mean, we've heard a lot of cases in in the past of, like, restaurants posting signs that say, speak English. And it's a pretty aggressive um, posture to take to demand English being spoken um, in a country where, or in a city specifically with a lot of Spanish speakers, for instance, but I don't necessarily see that as being some sort of uh, breaking of the law, you know, I actually, I might not like it, I might not want to go there, but I think it's actually in their right to do it, maybe. I'm not sure. No, all customers deserve to be treated, treated equally. So, I just don't fundamentally agree with that. I, I, I like it in principle, of course. I 
I, I'm an egalitarian, generally speaking, and I wish that the world was fair, but it's not fair, and it's impossible to treat everyone equally. A happy person with a smile gets treated nicer than a really grumpy, annoying, mean person who's causing a scene. And, you know, you see a lot of this corporatism where maybe the wait staff at a restaurant has to treat this angry, yelling person with just as much courtesy as they would a really friendly, you know, regular person, like a, a regular that goes to the restaurant. But it's ridiculous, right? At some point, you have to say, this behavior is unacceptable. Get out of my store, <laughs> don't you? So I don't agree with this sentence. No, all customers deserve to be treated equally. I mean, they deserve it from the get-go. Like, as soon as you walk into a place, everybody starts at, you know, base level, you know, a customer, the end. But, yeah, it's tricky. It's really tricky. I might even just leave this for now. Um, I think it's worth thinking about that. I like the question because of how hard it is. Um, I think if I was forced to make a, a choice now, I would lean toward yes, but it has to be modified. It could be just for small businesses, for instance, you know, like a lemonade stand can do it, do it at once, whatever. Um, for any reason, like I like the leeway there of businesses having a say, but you know, I'm not a business person. I'm a consumer. I don't want to be denied service, but I can, I can respect if I am denied service for something I do. That's, you know, I don't know what, I mean, I'm a man. So if I was to go to a female business, I wouldn't cause a big scene or uproar if I was refused business or service. Right. I mean, there are cases like that suddenly that I'm thinking about with transgender issues where this trans man to woman went into a waxing salon and asked to get her testicles waxed. <laughs> and the salon said, I'm sorry, we don't do testicles. We do labia. We're a, a you know, we're a women's salon and real women work here, you know, like it's to their discretion in a way, isn't it? You know, maybe they don't want to look at, um, you know, a man's package. And this trans person said, this is discrimination. This is offensive. I'm a woman because I say so. And who are you to refute this? And I want a wax service and I can't believe you're discriminated against me. And I have to say, I side totally with the salon in this case. I think it's absurd that this trans person is making such a case as if they are such a victim because they can't get their genitals waxed because they have the genitals of a man. And I'm not afraid to say that if you have the genitals of a man, you're a man. You know, you might present as a woman and I don't really care what bathroom you use. I don't really care um, what lifestyle you lead. Um, do what you want to do, but you cannot demand that the world contorts itself to your very unique experience. None of us can demand that. We can fight our causes with reason and persuasion, 
but I really disrespect somebody that's demanding and crying out victimhood and demanding that people treat his testicles as if it's a vulva. You know, it's just absurdity. It's just total absurdity. I didn't mean to go there. I actually was trying to wrap this up and I just touched a hot button topic. Um, but I'm going to leave it. You know, there are more gender identity questions here. There's plenty of stuff on um, gay issues and trans issues. But I want to leave that for next time because this was supposed to be about buildings, really, um, and what's permissible within a building, whether it's a government building and what that government building represents or a private building and what that private building represents. And to me, I think it is really important to distinguish that government buildings, specifically courthouses and state capitals and the like, they stand for something symbolic. They stand for something. Uh, They are uh, upstanding. (laughs) I'm losing my words here. I got to wrap this up. They're like virtuous places, right? They're, you know, made of white marble with some Greek columns and they're very sturdy and stoic somehow. And they demand a certain reverence for the foundational principles of the USA. And that's worth something, even if you uh, are frustrated with the country a lot of the time or whatever. Like there are real values that make America great, frankly. And there are reasons why so many other constitutions have you know, borrowed heavily from the first enlightened constitution ever, which the USA was. So I have a lot of respect for that, um, surprisingly, because I, again, I don't appeal to it purely out of authority reasons. I don't respect every country's buildings. North Korea's buildings I find oppressive, for instance. Not that I've been there, but from pictures and also just what I know about North Korea... Or if you look at Nazi Germany, you know, or any like over authoritative state, you know, that's exercising immense power and control over its people. That's bad. But America does stand for some things that I quite like. But religion is not one. The Confederacy is not another. That said, buildings generally should be allowed to express themselves, be painted any color and have any rules in a way, as long as they're not actually hurting people and i don't think that discriminating in certain minor cases based on the owner's beliefs is really a problem i guess i have yet to really hear of a case in which this is a problem so i guess i'll keep my ears open for that if somebody really is deeply and fundamentally discriminated against for a service that they need or should have and that they can't have elsewhere, for instance. This also will tie into our healthcare discussion about birth control and where to get an abortion, for instance, and being denied such services. Anyway, there's a lot to jump off from here, but I think now's a good time to wrap it up. I'll leave it there, and I'll continue with some other social issues next time. Until then, guys. Ciao.